Minneapolis. Let's bring in the voice of the Grizzlies. Eric Castletine is standing by. Tonight, they'll tip at 6.30. You can hear the uh, the Grizzlies and Timberwolves game right here on these airwaves. Pre-game starting at 6 o'clock. So coverage starting at 6 o'clock here tonight on WNSR. Eric, how we doing? Uh, trying to stay warm. Oh, yeah. What's the temperature in Minneapolis? Minnesota, is yeah. It like one? Uh, it's a balmy, uh, I think, 10 Maybe eleven. Yeah. Uh, the wind blowing makes it less. It's a dry cold, though, as we like to say up here. Uh, kind of like it's a dry heat when it's 110 in the desert. I don't understand any of that. Uh, I know when I went outside for lunch, I opened the door and the wind hits you like literally like a haymaker. And then walking down the street, it was so windy in this corridor by to the restaurant I was walking to. Uh, it almost knocked me over. I felt like a pitcher at Candlestick Park back in the 80s getting blown off the mound. So, uh, but it's, you know, hey, look, can't complain. The first four uh, stops on the on the tour this time were, uh, were nice weather. So it's just sunny and cold. And I'm looking out at Target Field out of my window right now where the Twins play. And I'm thinking, wow, they're going to play baseball there in like two and a half, three months. And yeah. it, it, I would never even want to think about setting foot on the baseball field right now with the way the, the wind's blowing. Well, the good news for you, and I know you know this, the Target Center is roofed, so it'll be nice and balmy inside. <laughs> that, rumor, that rumor is true. They do have a roof on Target Center. I can see it from here. It is not, it is, it is not a retractable building. Um, you know, it's crazy because I have friends that live up here, and I, I, I just don't know how they do it. But they've all said, like, yeah, it's ways and tunnels, and they've done a fabulous job in downtown Minneapolis with all that stuff. But the summers here are beautiful. You know, when the, when the Grizzlies came up here for that playoff series, it's a little chilly, you know, compared to comparatively what it will be in June and July. But, like, summers up here are absolutely spectacular. So, I guess there's a trade-off. We were joking about that last night walking to dinner. <laughs> when they settled this city, like, when people got here, they had to have gotten here in the in the summertime, right? Because if they came here in the winter and it was like this, like, yeah, no, we're moving on. We're not staying here. This is just too cold. Yeah, those three months are really nice. If they get in yeah. Minneapolis, yeah. it's really nice. Uh, I, I will say this, and I think I told you this in a text. I, I know that this has resulted in four losses after uh, coming on, starting this road trip with an 11-game winning, winning streak. I've been watching all right. these games, Eric. They, they have been fascinating. I mean, there is like a freaking storyline. I think the only game that really wasn't a game was the Sacramento. Everything else has been absolutely nutso. So let's – Let's skip a week ago because I was watching yeah. that game late on a Friday night. I may have had a margarita. While I was uh, watching well, the Lakers. Have anything less than one? <laughs> well, have at least one. I may have had yeah. two, uh, especially when when uh, Shannon Sharp went nuts. So let me just start there. So that that went viral. Yeah. That was crazy. What, it was banana. What what was it like being there in the arena? And how much are you able to take in of all the drama that was going on around that game? It was uh, below me, so we were where we sit with the Lakers. We used to sit courtside. Um, that was always kind of how Chick Hearn uh, wanted it. He, he he preferred to be up a little bit. He also said part of it was he felt like he was the host and the other broadcasters were his guests, so he wanted them to have the courtside seats and Laker TV, you know, obliged because they were a simulcast. So it was down to my right. Uh, we're about right at the midway point where the exits are on the concourse level. Um, of what's now crypto.com and it just kind of i'm calling the game solo and i kind of hear this rumbling down to the right and i look down i'm like what is going on and i see 
Shannon Sharp just losing his mind, screaming. And I'm trying to figure out at first who he's yelling at. Then I kind of figure out it's it was Dylan who was walking away. And then Steven Adams came over. And um, that ain't the guy, as they like to say in the, in the young circle. <laughs> ain't the guy. Ain't the guy you want to be doing that with. And then Ja got involved. Ja's father was, I, was actually on his way over to introduce himself. Um, because I guess Shannon said some nice things about Ja on their show. Um, and then he barked at Ja, so T barked back. And then, you know, it's just all this other stuff. To me, the problem with this was a couple of things. One, if you say something from a courtside seat to a player in any sport, whether you're on the third baseline in baseball, whether you're on the boards in hockey, whether you're sitting at the 40, 50 yard line in football and you start chirping about their performance. This is not the normal realm where I saw people responding like, well, he said blank you to, you know, to Shannon Sharp. And that's how you start a fight. It's like, dude, nobody's going into your office and and criticizing that you're not getting the job done uh, to you because you're not in your home building. And so Shannon Sharp, as well as anybody knows that when fans do that, athletes are going to chirp back. You know, I, this career has taken me into some very interesting places. I was actually at the game where Shannon Sharp quieted 65,000 Raider fans with a seam route over the middle and sent the Ravens to the Super Bowl where they won. But, Eric, he and, never talked, especially to the crowd. And, oh, he never talked. The things that were said, so that <laughs> at that time, the Raiders, and I'm not sure how they do it anymore because it's been a long time since I covered the NFL, we were allowed to go on the field for the final three, four minutes of the game, usually two and a half, three minutes. Yes, you, you went down. Yeah. And I heard things standing on sidelines that I just was mortified at. Because, one, these are abnormally large human beings that are abnormally strong and can break you in half. And those things that you just said would get that reaction if you were in public, but you're not. And so for Sharp to say that, like, you know, oh, they don't want this. They don't like, dude. You're the one who went on a rant about LeBron having a fan thrown out in Indiana because they were being obnoxious and that you can't just say whatever you want because you paid money for a ticket. Afterwards, everything calmed down. I was shocked he was able to return to his seat because in every yep, arena there are code of conduct cards that are handed out that yep. say, hey, if you violate this, we can throw you out of here, no questions asked. The thing that bothered me the most, and I, I don't want to say bothered, but that I just thought took it to a level – or could have been easily – you could have diffused it even better than it was, and it was pretty diffused at this time. The apology is – it could have been condensed by four minutes. He didn't need to apologize directly to everybody on the air. I, I'm a big believer in if you admit you're wrong and, and you are wrong, and I've, I've tried to teach my son this to me, but, you know, I, I tell him, hey, what makes a man is when you're, when you're wrong, you say, hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I made a mistake, and please forgive me. It's a hard thing to do. But when you roll through all the names and individuals, it's just like, dude, we could have done this in 45 seconds, in my opinion. And it's just my opinion. And people may disagree with me. But you get on the air and you go, hey, everybody saw what happened Friday night. I made a mistake in how I spoke to one of the participants in the action. I inserted myself into a game I was not part of anything other than a fan. My apologies for being a distraction. My apologies to both teams and to the people involved that took away from what was a truly terrific NBA basketball game and I, I, it won't happen again. And then if you want to call LeBron or text LeBron or Jeannie Buss or John ja Moran or anybody else, do that on, on your own. I just thought it kind of made it sound like now we're going to focus back on me and let everybody know that I'm a humble man and do all this other stuff. And so 
you know, whatever. It, the, the problem <laughs> was that it took away from what was a great game, and the Lakers did what veteran teams do to young teams, and they kind of imposed their will at the end. They, um, they had no business they got winning the game that game. Slow down and, and maybe yeah. took advantage of some frustration there because of that, but yeah. I don't think that had a, an effect in the outcome. No, the Lakers had no business winning that game. I mean, good for them. They won, but they had no business. Right. That well, game. and that's that's execution. The Grizzlies have to realize that, you know, they got the ball in the hands of the guy they wanted to. They they caught some breaks where who's now a former Laker after that game, Kendrick Nunn, fouled guys, and and you could see the disdain from Russell Westbrook. But the fouling I thought disrupted the flow. So even though you didn't want to foul Tyus Jones or Desmond Bain, who he fouled, um, it ended up kind of helping their their rhythm or taking the Grizzlies out of theirs and. When you have a final second play like that and you get the ball to your guy, you've got to space the floor better than the Grizzlies did there. They allowed a secondary defender to really not leave his man very far, sneak up behind Bain and, and poke the ball away. Now, a lot of times that's going to be a foul. This time it wasn't, and it cost you. But you've got to get the ball to a more secure location where there's more space, where if there are two or three defenders, that you can get away from it or make an extra pass to somebody else. And they do that. I think they win that game. But – those are some of the things young teams sometimes do. They make a little mistake like that and hurt you. And, yeah, the Lakers had no business winning that game. And it set a tone, unfortunately, for the trip. They came out flat in Phoenix, but they charged back. If you don't come out flat, you probably win that game. If you're making free throws, if you defend better, okay. Come now out I can flat. Eric, they're down 29. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's flat. They yeah, that's yeah, flat. Well, they, they were alive. But, but then they hit an 80-footer. I guess I guess they just need to hit 80-footers at the buzzer. Yeah. And that sparks well, them. And the sad thing about that is the young man that hit it then had his toughest ball game I've seen him have as a pro in San Francisco. So, yeah, like you're right, came out beyond flat. They were just not there. Phoenix was doing whatever they wanted, dictated the tempo. Grizzlies offense looked stagnant. It looked slow, and then they kind of got their rhythm, but it was too little too late. Sacramento, they, they yeah, watched the Kings team just go absolutely yeah. melt down hot, make their first 11 threes, and yet you're still right there in the ballgame at halftime, take the lead in the third. And I thought maybe kind of took that time to take a deep breath and go, okay, we got a chance. Well, the yeah, Kings said, well, now we're going to yeah. take it up another notch yep. to test your legs because you played. That happens. Okay, I, I, can, I can throw that one out. But the Golden State one's another case of, down the stretch, execution yeah. on both ends of the floor. Should have won that game. But this team has to be better. Could have won the game. They could. So yeah, I want to ask you, Steph Curry, the throwing the mouthpiece. So, again, mm-hmm. let me ask you, what walking through, you're doing a game on radio. Right. So what? What take us through those steps of Steph Curry getting tossed. Did you think he deserved to get tossed? I think it's the second time. He got tossed from a playoff game doing the same thing. What did you think? Uh, it's the third time he's been tossed okay. for the same thing. Okay. And do I think he deserves it? I think the rule is there for a reason. Um, it is an automatic. It's automatic ejection. This was not. Yeah, they didn't you know, think about it. You're right. Left interpretation. This is not, oh, I, I know he didn't mean to do that. This is once when you take a mouthpiece, any piece of equipment that is in contact with your body, especially in your mouth. And chuck it. Um, and you throw it in the stands, you're done. Yep. Your night's over. You're, you're no longer participating in the, in the festivities of the evening. Um, I was watching it the whole time. I saw him incredibly frustrated. The Warriors had just taken a shot um, and, and were kind of trying to control the game. And then Jordan Poole takes a deep right-wing three, and Curry was livid because he was calling for the ball. He comes down, and just in a moment of – lack of control, frustration, whatever you want to say, 
takes his mouthpiece and throws it in the stands. And I'm like, well, automatically I know that's a technical. And then thinking back to when he did it in Memphis, it was against the Grizzlies once too. He tried to throw his mouthpiece at the stanchion that holds the basket up, missed, it went in the stands. And it's like, okay, you're done. That's it. When you throw your mouthpiece in the stands, gum, anything like that, you're out. It's automatic. I, I don't necessarily agree with the rule, but I understand it. I think sometimes you can look at that and go, all right, well, yeah, he wasn't mad at an official. He was mad at his teammate. You get frustrated. But it's there for a reason. So um, it was kind of a shame, but it, in the end it didn't hurt Golden State. And it, I just, you know, you, you leave something like that open. I think it was more of a shame that we get two-minute reports after games and find out, oh, yeah, well, we just looked at the replay and Draymond set an illegal screen on the three-pointer that Clay Thompson took to go ahead and it should have been called and the basket should have never counted. It's like, okay, well, great. Thanks for the, thanks for the, uh, we thought that it was an illegal screen, but it doesn't do us any good. We can't turn the lights back on, restart the game and go, okay, well, we don't get those three points. And that's part of it too. Yeah. I mean, a missed call here or there is going to happen. So I look at this and everybody's obviously concerned because you've gone on a road trip after winning 11 straight, you've lost four in a row. You've lost games that with stats that normally equated to you winning, scoring 120, the Grizzlies were virtually unbeatable. Shooting over 45%, Grizzlies virtually unbeatable. Leading ball games going to the fourth quarter, they had only lost once. Now, two of these four losses, they've they've lost um, because of that. You know, when they had the lead, and, and they only had, I think they were 28 and one, and now they're 28 and three. So, things that in the middle of a season it happens, and, and Darren you and I have talked so many times about just the, the bizarreness of how things seemingly play out so similar over NBA seasons, whether it's a different timing where teams that are really good will go through little struggles. They'll have patches where the ball's not going in. You're not making your free throws. You're turning the ball over more. Your legs get a little tired and teams are pushing at you. And as I was telling some of the guys in Memphis, this is a benchmark win team now for other teams in the NBA. They come into your building and you beat them. This is something you can point to and say, hey, we know we can do it. We beat the team that's right now second in the West that a lot of people think are the darlings of the league. And they've got to realize that. They're getting everybody's best. And Taylor Jenkins has preached to them, to the, you know, to them this very same thing, that you're not sneaking up on anybody. And they obviously aren't going to sneak up on anybody because they're yelling that they're coming and they like to talk. And other guys take umbrage to that too. And that I don't have a problem with that. Some people are saying, oh, they got to stop all the talking until they do this and do that. I said, you know what? I'm not going to tell a player don't be who you are. If yeah. that's who you, if that's what you need to do to fire yourself up, do it. But realize when you do it, they're coming back at you. These guys aren't just going to lay down. And I think sometimes um, the Grizzlies are good enough and have played well enough at times where they get a big lead. And I wouldn't say they they get complacent or anything like that, but they don't. They maybe lose a little bit of focus. And yeah. in this league, if you lose a little bit of focus, the way teams can shoot the three now big leads can go bye-bye in a hurry. And we've seen it, and the Grizzlies kind of flipped that script on Phoenix, um, but weren't able to come all the way back. Other teams have done it to the Grizzlies, and now I think these final you know, 30-plus games, they, they've learned some valuable lessons on this trip. Hopefully they implement them, implement yeah. them tonight. Yeah, Eric, quick que- two quick questions for you. And Number one is about the road. And I just looked it up here. Only two teams of the 15 yeah. in the Western Conference are above 500 on the road. Only two. Brutal. I mean, yeah. so and listen, you've been doing this forever. Is that normal? Is that the way? Is this is this how it's always been going? And we just didn't notice before the teams are so no. bad on the road. No, I don't think it's. I don't think it's bad. I think it's the teams at home are good, and I think you've got more depth 
and, and more parity in this league than we ever have before. Hmm. Um, teams are able to basically, I don't, I don't know how to say it. They're, they're able to keep their players. Denver is an organic group that all those guys came through Denver, either via draft or, you know, very early in their careers joining the club. But you're talking about Jamal Murray, you're talking about Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic. They traded for Aaron Gordon, but they used guys that were good to get them. Memphis, organic. Golden State, organic. Phoenix is a little different. The Lakers, not organic. But you're seeing teams with way more depth. Hmm. Got that. You know, that's why teams don't win 70 games in this league. You'll look at good teams, and they'll be 35 and 6 at home but they'll be 24 and, you know, whatever, 24 and 8, uh, 17 on the road, and they're, you know, 60-win team, and that's awesome. If you win 24 games on the road, that's a, that's a really good road season. People talk about that all the time. 24 is kind of the benchmark. Mm-hmm. You go above 24 and you're an elite championship-level team, there's only a handful of those each season. So winning on the road's never been easy, but I also think part of it is because – if you're going to stay in the West and you're going to be competitive in the West, you better have a hell of a roster because it's a gauntlet with the top six, top seven, top eight, and even the teams that are trying to get in there, they're doing the same thing. They're getting young talent. They're keeping their young talent, and they're building towards the future where when these teams start to fall off with the veterans like the Lakers, like the Warriors, who still have a few good years left, and I'm not trying to say they're, they're turning around and be gone next year, but when you're a young team and you know you have guys that can do it, it's, it's only, it only makes it tougher. Eric, with the limited time I have left, I know you guys have been on the road for the last couple of weeks, so you may not be fully plugged in with what's happening uh, back in Memphis, but I've got to ask you about the impact of the whole uh, Tyree Nichols uh, situation and the fact that uh, the city of Memphis is uh, going through, uh, well, they're looking at the potential for some unrest tonight. Uh, in a few hours uh, because of everything that's going on. How, if any, in any way has that impacted uh, the the basketball team, who I know, again, has been away from home for a little while? Yeah, we're, we're aware of it. Um, like everybody else, we're, it, it breaks our heart to see that. Um, and our thoughts and condolences are out to, to his family. Um, it's a shame that, that these things happen. Um, it's been... It's been a wild road trip because we just went through California where we had a couple of mass shootings as well. Um, You know, the civil unrest is is disturbing. Our players um, are bothered by it. They're young men that want to do right by the community and, um, you know, play a game that they love, but they feel like they're part of the community. So we're all very concerned with what's happening, Uh, concerned that we all have family and friends that are still in the city um, and hope that that common sense prevails, that, that there are ways to voice your displeasure without, doing damage to our city infrastructure and to other people that quite frankly, you know, may have the exact same opinion as you, but you don't know. And if your anger gets the best of you, you may be hurting someone that thinks exactly the same way you do. Mm-hmm. And so we're hoping that, 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 that the calmer heads not don't stay calm, be, be frustrated, be angry. I understand that, but you know, not at the expense of, of hurting others because of it. So hopefully that message has come through. Um, we all are aware when, uh, the video will be made public, and we've been kind of keeping an eye on this situation for since before we even left. And, uh, yeah, it's concerning. It's it's deeply concerning, and it's deeply disturbing. And, you know, it, it's a shame because I think it gets so into a, a position where you have 
some very, very good people that work in those industries that get overshadowed by some very bad people that should not be working in those industries, mm-hmm. and it gets lumped together. And I think that's that's a tremendous uh, injustice as well. But I can understand how it happens, and I can understand the frustration. Um, and and like I said, our our thoughts and prayers are with with the the families of, of you know who lost a loved one and. Um, that's something you just you just can't put anything on that. So, uh, yeah, we're watching it closely. Um, it's tough. It's really hard because our arena, our building, all of our facilities are right in the heart of downtown, and that's where a lot of the, the, the demonstrations are said to potentially be happening. We don't know, and, and we don't want to speculate. But, like I said, hopefully uh, hopefully we can get through what's going to be a, probably a tough, a, a tough few days in the, in the city of Memphis, to say the least. No doubt. Uh, hopefully you guys can uh, end this road trip with a victory tonight before coming home yeah. and taking on Indiana and Portland. Eric, really appreciate it. We'll be listening tonight. Thanks for doing this as always, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, sir. Happy to do it. Just want to give you guys an update. The roof is still on the Target Center, and they're Good. still blowing Outstanding. So thankfully, the roof is still functional. It's so good we to won't know. You can take yeah. some layers off. You're good then. You can go the way of the Metrodome. You know, they've had roof problems up there before. Yes, they so. have. No doubt. Thankfully, that is no longer the site. But, yeah, and thank you guys for having me, and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to talking again soon. All right, Eric, thanks. Eric Castletine, radio voice <laughs> of the Memphis Grizzlies.